Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, here we are again for part two with Dave Heinzman from Little Fuse. Very honored to have him with us again. Hello, Dave. Hi, Jackie. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us again. Last time we talked, uh, we went into some personal kind of um, information about you, digging in with you a little bit more. But now I wanted to hear some more about Little Fuse in particular. Um, sure. So it's it's an interesting story. Again, I love Little Fuse. I think Little Fuse is just a very professional organization, very execution oriented, like you said, puts out amazing product, great people, um, and a really good example for a lot of companies um, of, of how to be um, modeled after, really. So Thank what is that. it, if you can just dig in with Little Fuse, and if you could say, what is it that makes Little Fuse one of the most respected manufacturers in the industry? Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, without doubt, uh, without a doubt, it's our people. You know, we're very fortunate that we have awesome people. We have awesome people kind of around the globe. At the end of the day, yes, we have great products. I think our strategy is good, but at the end of the day, it's our people. Um, and we have the good fortune of we've, we've built a, a good culture that most people enjoy working with them. Um, we have great people who are a lot of fun to work with and uh, very professional in their approach and will will go the extra mile in any situation for each other, for customers, uh, for suppliers. At the end of the day, our differentiator is just awesome people. I think that's awesome. You do have awesome people. <laughs> we have a couple of them um, on our board. We have uh, Eva Jelazova on our advisory board. We have Mino Sethna, your CFO, on our advisory council. I've worked with sure. Don Manhart. We were just so many amazing. You've got your win team over there. Just great people. Um, but really, how did Little Fuse originally start? And and then we know that there's that name, you know, the spelling of the name. Can you we just... We don't know how to spell. Yeah, yeah. yeah like who, who, who needed spelling class? Let's, let's just hear that story. Sure. So, so Little Fuse is a company um, is, you know, nine, more than 90 years old, started in literally by a gentleman in his garage in Chicago. And it really kind of, it's rooted back into the very early days of the electronics industry. So think radio and TV time, which Chicago was a bit of a hub for those sorts of technology developments at that point in time. So our founder actually worked for a company and one of his jobs was he was testing, you know, vacuum tubes. You know, he would have to test vacuum tubes in the early radio days. And the meters he had to use to do that, if you didn't do it quite right, you would actually damage the meters. And uh, he kept getting in trouble with his bosses for damaging these very expensive test meters. And he decided he was going to solve that problem. So he went home to his garage and uh, worked to develop a very delicate, very um, carefully designed and built fuse that would protect that meter in that environment. And so he started in his garage kind of developing that, solved his problem in his day job, and then really decided there was an opportunity to kind of do that for others and kind of built it up. So it started from literally a little fuse. 
uh, <laughs> that kind of started the business. And the reality is, why is it misspelled? Often people say, was it started by somebody by the name of Littell or something like that? It's very simple. He could not trademark the name Little Fuse. So he put it as one word, misspelled it intentionally so that he could trademark the name. Hmm. That's really kind of how we got the oddly misspelled name, which is, you know, which is always great for us. We always know whether our suppliers and our customers really know and appreciate us if they spell our name right. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of really where the origin of the business came from. So we were, we grew over several decades to be a U.S. fuse company focused on the electronics and the auto industry that was also kind of growing, you know, in, at that point in time as well. So that's kind of where the origins started as a fuse company before we began to expand globally and then into a different, different technology. It was just somebody solving a need. <laughs> and that is really how advancements tend to happen. But so you talked about your growth. Um, how did Little Fuse grow? Like going from this little company out of somebody's garage to now the massive organization in our industry. So how did you grow? Sure. So again, so as I was talking about, we started as just this U.S. fuse company, right? And and had great success with, you know, a lot of uh, innovation, a lot of new technologies, solving problems for customers or as the industries were evolving and developing. So we grew into this U.S. Uh, fuse company. It was really kind of around the time I was starting with Little Fuse where Little Fuse began to have aspirations to move beyond the U.S. Uh, and through a series of a couple of small acquisitions, as well as some greenfield sorts of efforts, we were able to really kind of move from being a U.S. fuse company to becoming a global fuse company. So we established in Europe, we established in Asia, and kind of built out to be a global fuse company, and really kind of became the leader in electronics and automotive fusing in that period of time. Now, we began to kind of run into uh, market shares where it was more difficult to continue to grow. So, you know, then the effort was to said, well, how do, where do we go from here? And that's where we went from being a fuse company to what, what we use the terminology circuit protection, mm -hmm. which was really over voltage and over current, you know, protection, but still a, a protection business, circuit protection business. So we kind of, yeah, went down that path of building out both organically uh, through R&D investments as well as a series of small acquisitions to build out a portfolio of capabilities on overcurrent and overvoltage protection. And that kind of really allowed us to kind of continue to grow pretty significantly. That was really, that was kind of done in the 2000 timeframe through uh, maybe 2010, 2012. We really expanded to be a global circuit protection business. And then really it was in around 2012, we identified, again, where you start reaching those limits of growth. Uh, how do you redefine the niches and the markets you want to participate in to have an opportunity to continue to grow? That's when we identified to move from protect, control, and sense was the terminology you heard us begin to talk about then, which was circuit protection, power control, and sensing. Mm -hmm. These were major technology additions for us that really supported the megatrends in the industries we were serving. So we I re established our strategy to give us the latitude there 
skin, some acquisitions and organic work to kind of establish that. And of course, moving, you know, continue to evolve that and move beyond that. Wow. You know, it sounds like when the circuit protection came, that was kind of like a game changing time for Little Fuse. And then also getting involved in your niches, which is super important. And I think it, it, what I'm hearing from you is agility. Little Fuse has looked at your growth. And then when you decide you're hitting a wall, you adjust and then start doing something different, which is really key to growth. I think a lot of companies just kind of keep on a certain trajectory and keep banging their head against the wall, but you have to be willing to adjust (laughs) and and change with the market. So I feel like Little Fuse has definitely uh, done that. But if you look at somebody, I mean, there are other circuit protection companies. What is your advantage over your competition in the market? Yeah. You know, um, our business, you mentioned, you know, niches. Our business is really just made up of a bunch of small niches. So we don't have any particular technology or in, any particular in-market application we focus on that is massive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all relatively small. And, you know, we look to identify those niches both from applications and or technologies and try to become a meaningful player within those spaces where we can create unique value for our customers. At the end of the day, if we're not creating some unique value to the customer, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, why are, why are we here? So I think continuing to identify those target niches and applications where we can create that unique value, I think that is a strength. I said it earlier, but again, the number one asset we have is our talent and our team. Uh, I do think that differentiates us. Uh, I think we have better teams than both, you know, and, and I think that helps us to do that. So kind of the niche strategies, the key talent to pull that off. And we've also kept a fairly thoughtful, consistent approach to growth. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're not switching directions on strategy every two or three years. Um, if you look back at the last 20 years, our strategy and our ships and strategy have also all been kind of evolutions to, you know, directions we've been taking and it's just kind of the next step on it. So I think our customers understand that and value that. Our investors understand that and value that as well. I think our teams do too. You know, they're not going to wake up tomorrow with a completely different strategy and then two years later, well, it's another different strategy and I'm switching directions. I think that consistency and approach really creates unique value. To, to add to that, for people listening to you, Dave, I mean, really, there's a lot of people listening who want to get mentorship or other companies thinking, hmm, they're successful. What can I do? If you could sum it up into just maybe a few things, what do you think it takes to be at the top? What is it that an organization needs in order to be that leading manufacturer or that leading industry uh, leader? Again, first and foremost, starts with talent. You know, you've, you've got to do that. You've got to, got to be willing to have the best talent in the world, but a talent that also pool that's quite comfortable working across boundaries, working with each other. Um, that execution orientation I talk about within our culture, I think that's really important. And, and that has to permeate all aspects of the business. We're still a relatively small company, right? You know, we're fortunate in the fact that you get to know each other, you know, the teams and, and you know, and, and what motivates them. And the success of one individual isn't more important than the success mm. of the team. 
And I think, I think we're fortunate in being able to do that in a way that execution orientation does keep pressure on, for sure, right? We expect to move the ball forward every year, and uh, that doesn't happen without a lot of hard work. Uh, I think within our culture, you know, sometimes people talk about, you know, a traditional Midwestern culture. That doesn't always translate. Yeah, you know, somebody in uh, France doesn't really know what <laughs> Midwestern culture is or, or in the Philippines. But, uh, you know, I kind of view it as, first of all, open communication, being a fairly direct sort of organization, you know, speaking your mind, willing to have um, constructive debates, you know, as a key part of who we are and how we operate, a willingness to do just whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have lots and lots of black lines in our organization, so lots of gray lines. And I think most people in our organization are comfortable doing whatever it takes to get the job done. You know, um, people kind of working for me personally, you know, the first time they tell me, well, that's not my job, you know, it it may be the last conversation we had because our job is to solve problems. Our job is to create value. And so therefore, you know, willingness to do that and take that on and do whatever it takes to get the job done is really, really key to who we are and how we have success. And it kind of feeds into that whole execution orientation. Because you're, you're always going to run into roadblocks. And when you run into them, you know, the higher you are in the organization, the more your job becomes just eliminating roadblocks for people. Mm-hmm. Get things out of their way. Let them uh, have success in, in driving the business forward. And, and I think that's a key part of, you know, our leadership team you know, works hard to do that and works hard to try to make those decisions quickly, move forward, you know, and uh, you know, course correct as we need to. Well, I love that. I love everything you just said. And it's part of your culture is what you're talking about. Um, A lot of this is inbred in your culture. And that leads us into the next question that I have, because, of course, I have to throw out our recent partnership with, you know, Women Electronics and Little Fuse coming together. So you being um, the leader of Little Fuse, why is it that you would invest in this initiative in the industry as part of your cultural values? Sure. Well, first and foremost, you know, I talked about me being patient zero, you know, in an earlier conversation about being detail-oriented, execution-oriented, those sorts of things. We're also patient zero in some ways in the fact that we're not near where we want to be. You know, we have, uh, while we certainly see systemic issues in our industry and in society in mm-hmm. general, we also recognize within Little Fuse, we don't have the diversity that we want in our organization, and it really starts with diversity of thought. We need stronger diversity of thought. Um, and that can come certainly from gender diversity, racial diversity, socioeconomic diversity, and perfectly candid, we're not where we need to be. So we've got work to do. Uh, so part of the reasons that we're partnering, you know, you know, with women electronics is you guys are doing awesome work, right? You're trying to not just address specific needs, but create more systemic change, right? Um, we have a ch- we all have a choice. We can participate in that, or we can sit back and wait for somebody else to do it. And these are systemic changes that have to happen. They're not going to change overnight. So if we can support and help taking steps in small ways to drive systemic change, we've got to do it. That's what's going to drive the long-term, you know, value and the long-term, you know, benefits for society. But for our business, 
you know, um, these things are all certainly business oriented for us that we think this will make us a stronger company, you know, over time and a stronger industry, you know, that we can be a participant in as well. So that's kind of why we see partnering as, as critical. Well, Dave, you know, I would just have to say I really appreciate you saying that because I actually think you're one of the only leaders I've talked to that is addressing the systemic <laughs> um, issues. And I, I believe that that is what we're facing. And um, unless we all together make a conscious effort to dig in and devote time and energy and resources, we can't expect to move forward, right? And there's so much on the line with our industry because we're on the forefront of all the technology advancements. If we don't have that diversity at the table, <laughs> it doesn't appear that we're going to make the most effective advancements we could be making um, in technology. So I appreciate that very much. And just to um, also just one or two more questions. You have the Win Group. Um, that was started before you partnered with Women Electronics. Maybe we can just talk to that real quick as well. Yeah, so we have an awesome you know, Win Group within Little Fuse that really started just a few years ago and really with an awful lot of help and support from Mino Setna, our CFO, mm -hmm. who now is kind of joined with the board and, and Women Electronics. She helped bring that and her experience in that way in that affinity group you know, to kind of help get that up and going. We've seen it really gain traction within our environment. Now, they're very focused on gender diversity, mm -hmm. right, and and advocating for that, and that's that's awesome. Yeah, and they've made significant progress. Started in the U.S., it has grown to where it's now taken root in Europe and also in Asia, so it's become a global initiative within our organization, uh, and it's led led by key women in our organization with just support from, from the rest of the organization. When they come and say, we need help with X, Y, Z, again, our job is to try to take roadblocks out of the way, right, and try to help them have success with that. So awesome group involved not only within Little Fuse, but also you know, in creating opportunities and supporting even the communities outside and of little mm -hmm. fuse proper, but within the communities where we work and live, they take uh, roles in that. At the end of the day, they're helping us identify that classic problem, which we have, which is that you know broken rung on the ladder, right? That first step. So we have great diversity, you know, in individual contributor roles and things like that. But in those early stages in management, is where we see our diversity tail off pretty rapidly. So they play a key role in helping us figure out what things we can do to kind of break that chain. You know, how do we change? How do we begin to address that issue, which will long-term, you know, address, you know, these systemic problems that we have in Little Fuse, in the industry we serve, and society in general. That is such an excellent point. Um, I have to say I so appreciate Little Fuse and all of our sponsor companies who are willing to come to the table and be vulnerable and to say, hey, we're going to be willing to look at this because every single company has this issue. It's just not everybody's willing to look at it. Um, but so I appreciate that you are willing to invest the resources to actually do your part to make a change. And, and that's all we can do. And I always say to companies like, don't look at where you are. Just step in and progress from that point forward. There's no grading system or anything like that. But as far as, you know, to end this conversation, 
What would your message be to other companies that are listening? You're representing one of the leading industry organizations. What would your message be to people who are just now starting to look at DEI as a corporate strategy? Um, what would your final message be to those companies listening? Yeah, I guess the final message would be a little bit like we talked about maybe in an earlier conversation is fear of taking a step and taking a chance of stepping forward and not doing it is the absolute worst thing you can do, right? So there, are, there is no right answer on what steps to take and what direction to go to address broader diversity issues. Uh, at the end of the day, just gotta get started. Get on with it, right? You know, and I would give advice that just like we kind of look at our business, take some steps, take some, and we're gonna make mistakes. We will make mistakes in our DE&I efforts for sure, but take the steps, take, take active movement forward, course correct along the way. We're never gonna make systemic changes if we don't all step forward and put ourselves out there and, and start. Just gotta get started. You know, and, and I certainly appreciate women in electronics helping us with that because we're gaining an awful lot from women in electronics helping us to find ideas and ways that we can do a better job within our business and begin to make some of those systemic changes. So I think it's great partnership for us. I would encourage people, great partnership to kind of align with and support. And uh, it's working well for, for our teams, for sure. Well, Dave, we are honored. <laughs> we are blessed and honored to be aligned with Little Fuse um, and have you in our sponsorship family. And I really, really respect you as a leader, as I'm sure everybody does. I haven't heard uh, one uh, bad word about you, Dave. Um, so thank you for being a great leader in our industry and, and being a good representative uh, for a Little Fuse. But, but all of us, you know, the mentorship is so critical, what we need, the talent crisis, as we all know. Um, is pretty big. People will listen to this and, and really take nuggets of it um, and get your input and advice. So um, anyway, if somebody wants to look up Little Fuse, how do they, um, you know, look you up? Just uh, go to the web and look up littlefuse.com and uh, certainly you'll uh, you'll learn a lot about us from that. But probably if you're in the industry, you probably know somebody from the Little Fuse organization. Reach out to them because uh, if they're anything like me, all you have to do is ask. Right. And and you'll get much more input than you probably want about Little Fuse and what we do and how they operate. The good and the bad, because, you know, we're not a, everything we do isn't what we want it to be. We need to, need to do better. Uh, but I think those are the best ways to reach out. And uh, so Little Fuse team members are the best people who know us well. All right. Well, thank you for being here today. Thank you to you and your team. And we'll look forward to um, another uh, episode sometime in the future, as we had sure. discussed. Uh, but thank you for being with us, Dave. Sure. Thanks, Jackie. Okay. Appreciate it. And, and, and good luck uh, with, with your efforts. Thank you so much. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.